Hello. We're glad to have you with us again on Worldview Matters. This is Ross. Bob, my co-host, is usually here with me, but Bob is under the weather, has the flu, and has had for a couple of weeks. So he's, he's really having a tough time, but I am so glad to have a great guest today, Mr. Bill Decker. Bill is associate pastor of a, a church in the Birmingham area and quite active with young people and adults alike. And we're going to discuss some things today that I think you'll find interesting. Bill, glad to have you. Good morning, Ross. It's good to be with you. Sorry that your friend is out sick, but I'm glad to pitch in and help this morning. Well, I know this will be a, a great time, 30 minutes or so, with our guest and, and with our listeners. But, Bill, you're probably right in the center of uh, an understanding of what worldview means to to Christians today, to non-Christians, really to the, to the life of our nation. Certainly, we're in a position from a national standpoint where a lot of things are in question, politically, economically, certainly spiritually and religiously. But what do you feel that a, a consistent biblical worldview means in the lives of people today, especially Christians? Sure. Well, let's let's talk about worldview and what it is to begin with. And maybe you've done this on previous shows, but a worldview is really that collection of beliefs that uh, you're going to hold about life, about the meaning of life, about the purpose of life, about the universe, and uh, how those beliefs shape uh, your behavior, how they shape how you think, uh, how they shape how you live life. So. In our world, there are, are many worldviews. People have a, a lot of different views of how they uh, uh, look at uh, their beliefs and what they hold is valuable and what they hold is important. For the Christian, uh, our worldview is certainly centered around uh, the completed work of the person of Jesus Christ, who is uh, the revealed Son of God, uh, and he is the foundation for our worldview. So... Uh, for the Christian, all our, our, our worldview is really shaped uh, by the life and work of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I think everyone wants to know, where did I come from? By what rule should I live my life? Is there a purpose for my life? And where am I going when I die? Those are four basic questions. Yeah, that, that those are the are, four basic questions that are going to shape someone's worldview. You're correct. Absolutely. absolutely. And the Christian, of course, as you said, has a very strong viewpoint of those. I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with George Barna, but George Barna has a study. He's a, a, a Christian uh, uh, man, has a company who measures different things in the community, not just in among Christians, but among non-Christians. And there's some interesting studies to, to pick right up where Bill left off there with regard to the Christian worldview. A biblical worldview has a number of different tenets, but the four that we just mentioned are key to the, the Christian's viewpoint. Barna studied six things. Number one, he said a biblical worldview uh, says that, number one, there are moral absolutes. Number two, that uh, there is a, a, a total accuracy of biblical principles in the Bible. Satan is real. Uh, you can't earn heaven by being good or works. Christ lived a sinless, sinless life, and uh, God is all-knowing. Now, the, those are four, six questions that were asked of various groups of people. 
Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is that in terms of truth, 34% of Christians believe that truth is absolute. That is a very, um, very interesting point. If if you ask that question in your church, do you believe that that would be a, a, a pretty accurate number, Bill, or do you feel like... Yeah, Ross, I would imagine uh, for the Christian church in the United States, I would say that, sadly, that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, probably suggest that in our congregation, uh, we teach uh, the authority of Scripture and we teach uh, the truth of the gospel. That's a a foundation uh, part of who we are as a congregation, as a body of believers. So I would suggest that our percentage would probably be much higher, yeah. uh, but that doesn't dismiss the point that I think Christianity is uh, facing a, a tipping point in that so many believers now think that uh, there is there is no moral absolutes, there is not absolute truth. And that's a tragedy because that is the foundation of which um, you, you know, we build our, our biblical worldview. Well, if, if someone doesn't believe in... Uh, in a moral absolute, then, or any kind of absolutes. One of the questions that I will always go to if I'm witnessing or talking with anyone about religion or Christianity is, do you believe that truth is absolute or relative? And usually they will, you know, roll their eyes up, think for a second, come back about 50-50. Half will say ab- absolute, half will say relative. Then I say, if if you believe that truth is relative, then whoever can talk the loudest or is the smartest is going to win the argument. But if truth is absolute, then you and I both are on the same page. We want to know what truth actually is. And until you establish that truth is absolute, almost any sort of argument or discussion is meaningless because it becomes Everyone becomes God because they can choose their own truth, so to speak. And that's kind of the mantra of the day. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, and two, two scriptures come to mind about that, that very point. I'm drawn first to John uh, chapter 1 there where it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. The glory is of the only Son of the Father. And he says, full of what? Full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And from his fullness we have received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So right there we find in, in John's writings uh, that uh, uh, Jesus, his his very nature is one of truth. And then Jesus himself said, I am what? The way, the truth, truth and the life. life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So by Jesus' own uh, standard by his own, uh, the, just the definition of who he was and is, uh, he is the very essence of truth. So to, to suggest that there's not absolute truth uh, is to uh, just knock out the underpinnings of the very things we believe about who Jesus Christ is. And so we're in a world today where the vast majority of the people do not believe as we do believe, regardless of saying what that truth is. They just don't believe that there is absolute truth. Very tough situation that we're in. Now, if you go to the young people in your group, I think there's a group called the Mosaics. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> I, I think that the, the age group is somewhere around 18 to 25 are considered the Mosaic generation. Is that, am I accurate about that, Bill? 
Uh, I don't know, Ross. Okay, well, I, I believe that. I that's wish correct. I could. That sounds right. I'm not. Uh, I'm not that familiar with that. Um, though is. I will tell you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I... Well, that generation is marked uh, by uh, the very thing we're talking about this morning: uh, straying away from uh, the the fact that there is absolute truth. And you know, Ross, we see it in in so many different places in the deterioration of the home. Uh, what we're seeing people teaching in, in schools, uh, what we're seeing on, on television and from the entertainment industry, uh, that generation of, of students, uh, it's worse for them than ever before. There is an onslaught uh, from every direction against um, the fact that there's an absolute truth. You know, everybody thinks and feels that they can come up with their own God. Our pastor says all the time, the most important thing about you is your concept of God. Yes. And so your concept of God shapes how you're going to think, feel, believe, and behave. Right, right. And this generation that you're talking about, this younger generation, they're being attacked like never before. And it's not, uh, is, we shouldn't be surprised. We're, you know, people say all the time, we're, we're X number of years away from where Europe is. And if you were to go on the streets of Europe today, and we've sent mission teams over to, to different major metropolitan cities in Europe, and we've interviewed, we've done interviews on the streets. We've asked that very question that we're asking today, do you believe there's an absolute truth? And most of the folks that you ask, young folks that you ask over in, in Europe, None of them believe that there's an absolute truth. Most I don't do, believe that Jesus is essential for salvation. Right. I do spend a good amount of time in Europe on business and and in doing some research for another project that I'm doing, and I find exactly what you're talking about. As a matter of fact, I had a young man answer this question this way uh, as recently as about six weeks ago. He said he didn't believe in God. I said, if you believe that there was a God and that Jesus was the Son of God, would you want to know him? And he said, I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. He came back the next day and he said, no, I don't want to know him. I said, mm. with all the claims that are made by God in the Bible about his son Jesus, if you thought that that was as critical a decision, how you accept or reject Jesus is as it says it is in the Bible. Why would you want to not even look into it? He said, I just don't want to have any part of that. And uh, this was a 19-year-old boy uh, in college, smart kid, mm -hmm. great athlete. And I thought, there's the, that's the, that's really the icon of the entire youth probably of Europe. And if you go into also church areas, beautiful, beautiful churches in Europe, which shows a great heritage back there, yes. but you'll see a few women to, to go into church, very few men. You may go in and see 10, 12, 15 people in the church. It's a sad situation. As a matter of fact, inside of London, many of the beautiful churches there are being turned into business establishments because there's no mm -hmm. one go to church it is it's sad it's a tragedy well now it's, look at that mosaic group barna in his study a couple of years ago showed that by a factor of 22 to 1 adults uh, believe in a biblical worldview significantly more than this 18 to 25 group only one half of one percent 
of the studied group believe in a biblical worldview as we defined it above? One half of one percent. Pretty, pretty astounding and, and pretty scary. That, that is. And, it, and it's saddening. Uh, it's sad to uh, just to consider the lostness of this generation. So I guess the question, Ross, is what is the, what is the, the, the Christian church in America going to do about this? Well, I think that is the operative question because to a great degree, many other studies show that the church is losing its, it's losing its hold, uh, probably for a number of, uh, of reasons, but even parachurch groups are not gaining foothold like uh, is needed. But kids today are, I think, unwilling to make commitment to anything. I think they want to be a kind of a free agent all the time. They... They run in packs somewhat. You can't get them to tie them down to any sort of schedule to do something on Thursday or Friday or next week. They want to keep their options open, and I think that that carries over into, or it emanates from, this lack of worldview and willing to make commitment and willing to look seriously at things. Uh, your thoughts about that? I think you're right. Um, it, it's... Um the church has to continue to preach and teach uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be vigilant. Uh, we have to stay on course. We have to um, uh, demonstrate and show the love of Jesus Christ to a generation that is 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 going to be lost if we don't do something. Well, I think a lot of times we we are forced into certain things by pressure. And let's carry this back over to where we are from a political economic standpoint in this country. Um, we, we're talking currently about a physical fiscal cliff. Yes, sir. I personally feel that we will be going off of a fiscal cliff. I'm not sure which one it is, whether it's this one or one that will follow shortly thereafter. But I do believe that the trend of our nation is that we will – uh, that, that the economic situation will be the pressure that will cause us to make the changes economically that we need to make. And I believe that probably that plus other pressures of life will force people to look at, again, look at the foundations and the principles of the Bible that have carried this country and been so important to this country for many, many years. Uh, we've since the war, probably last 60, 70 years, we, there's been a degradation of morally, spiritually, uh, economically um, in this country. And and I think that we've we've gone down so far that it's going to take some exogenous force, some outside force to bring about some sort of change um, in all these areas, including spirituality. Uh, well, I think you're right. Uh, I'm, I would be hopeful that if that were to happen, that people would turn um, uh, to the Lord uh, as a source of strength and comfort and as a source of, of uh, as an anchor on, on which to, to anchor your lives. I don't know that history suggests that that would happen. I'll go back to what I was suggesting earlier. I think we have to be vigilant to teach and preach the gospel. And, and Ross, I'm just reminded, um, 
you know, as, as we're having this conversation today, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to advance. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be proclaimed to the corners of the earth. And I don't know if it's going to be done by millions or if it's going to be done by thousands or if it's going to be done by hundreds. But at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now, that may not happen in, uh, as we understand things physically on this earth, uh, but because uh, that uh, that scripture is really speaking to the fact that when Christ returns, that every every knee will bow and every tongue right. will confess. Right. But there is coming a day, um, and I don't know when it'll be, but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So uh, we have every reason to be hopeful. We have every reason as believers to be encouraged. We have every reason as believers to be passionate about the God that we love and proclaiming his name and his fame uh, to the nations. Uh, we have to stay the course. We cannot be deterred. We cannot be distracted. We cannot be discouraged. Uh, for me, that you're talking to a pastor here of, of a local congregation. For me, and everything we've talked about today is true. Uh, things are in moral decline. There is this... Uh, uh, this straying away from moral absolutes. There is this idea that I'm not accountable to anybody. I'm my own God. I'll do my own thing. I'll do what I care. I'll do what pleases me. Yes, all that's true. That's happening. Uh, but the gospel is going to go forth. And for me, that's encouraging. Well, I, I will share with our listeners here that not only the, what you're saying is not just because you're an associate pastor at a church, but this is what you live. Uh, I can tell our listeners that Bill is a wonderful father, a wonderful husband, a great friend. He will occasionally go into the woods and shoot Bambi. I will tell you that. If that bothers <laughs> you. I had happened this year yet. <laughs> I've been, but I hadn't even seen Bambi. He much seen less Bambi's big daddy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> these views that Bill is sharing are straight from the heart, and I believe that they are solid scriptural biblical principles, and uh, Bill lives them. That's something that I'm kind, Ross. Thank you. Something that you can tell by simply listening to what he has to say. You know, the statistics that Barna put out a couple of years ago are very revealing. Let me just give you a couple of them. Uh, whether Satan is real, only uh, 27% of the world believes that, 20, that uh, Satan is real. 40% of churchgoers, uh, people who profess to know Jesus, uh, believe that. 28% believe that you can earn your way to heaven. Mm. As forty-seven percent reject that. In other words, I'm sorry, fifty. Uh, I mean, seventy-two percent believe that you can earn your way to heaven in the world, but only forty-seven percent believe you can earn your way in the in the church. But now that's pretty telling because a lot of times when I ask someone, "How do you think you get to heaven?" they say, "Well, you. It's a balance. You know, I've done more good it things. Things, or I've been a good guy." And uh, it's interesting how they do that. I, I use as a follow-up to a witness uh, a book written by Stanley, the son, that said how good is good enough, which I think really— Are you talking about Andy Stanley? Andy Stanley, yes. And he wrote a book probably 10 years ago. It's a great, great little book called How Good is Good Enough. In paperback, you can find it virtually any any bookstore, not just Christian bookstore. 
So it's really interesting what some of these statistics show. It, it, it's also uh, 70% of the world believe that God is all-knowing and powerful. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. 93% of Christians believe that. But for that high a percentage in the world to believe that God is all-knowing, and he still is active, that that sort of doesn't make sense to me with regard to the rest of the rest of the statistics that you read here. Well, you've, you've, hit, you've hit two key ideas there in those statistics. One is uh, works versus grace, right. and the other issue you've hit is the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. Is God sovereign? Is he provident? Uh, is he all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present? And those are key concepts that um, that there's a there are churches who are gravitating away from from these these core core beliefs. And even in the passage I, I quoted from John earlier in our conversation, I made the comment that where the passage is, he's full of grace and truth. And we've talked about the the moral absolutes and the truth of it. Let's talk about this grace for a minute, because you mentioned works. People believe it's the scale, it's the balances. I'm, uh, what do I got to do to be good enough? How do I earn my way into heaven? How do I how do I live in such a way that I'm in favor with God? And so many people believe that. So many pastors preach that, and it's just wrong. Mm. Uh, we are saved. Uh, by grace and grace alone. It's not grace plus something that you do. It's not grace plus your works. It's not grace plus your giving. It's not grace plus uh, the fact that you went to church. It's not grace plus you read your Bible. It's not grace plus you were baptized. It is grace and grace alone. It is Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, His, His life and His completed work, now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, ever making intercession on your behalf. It is a complete picture of the grace of Jesus Christ. And Ross, that is a liberating thing. When you realize that there's nothing you can do to make you make God love you any more or any less, that it is all because of God's grace that you are welcomed into his kingdom, that is a freeing place to be. Absolutely. And it, it takes so much pressure off of someone. I have a friend who says that it's it's the weak man's uh, view of life. And, you know, communism says that Christianity is the opiate of the people. In other words, it, it mm-hmm. takes over your mind. And, you know, there's some truth here because we want it to take over our mind because we do have a, a sinful mind. And uh, but it is freeing, as you have said, and I think that's what God wants us to do: is to live in freedom in the fullness of His, of His grace. As you absolutely, yeah. The equation never God plus nothing equals salvation. (laughs) That's right. You're absolutely right. So and then so you you mentioned that point. Uh, just about the the idea of 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 works and grace, those statistics from Barna, and then you you, you mentioned some statistics about uh, uh, the very nature of who God is by His sovereignty. What were those stats again? About the sovereignty of God, uh, or is I, I used the word. You don't think you used that word? I don't think Barna said sovereignty. Well, but, he said all knowing, powerful, the full Creator, and still lives. So it's omniscient. Okay, and that that is by essence yeah. the sovereignty of exactly. God. Uh, 93% and, and, of believing 
of, of the church believe that that is true, whereas in 70% believe that God exists uh, in, in, in that form. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, a mixture on my part, I mean, understanding that, but it's what it is. Mm. But, well, it's it's good that that many people claim that they believe that. Yeah. But I'm not sure it translates into how they live their lives. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. We can see that in in its fullness in in life today. Uh, tell me, in in your youth group, under twenty, under twenty, under twenty, which would be, I guess, beginning or the early part of college down. Yes, sir. Would you say that half the people, half the kids believe in a Christian worldview? In our city, I would say that, uh, uh, and we're a suburb of Birmingham, uh, where we are, uh, I, I would say the statistics that you shared from Barna just about this generation in general are probably true of, of the students and the children that live here, uh, even of the adults that live here. We're a, we're a pretty basic you know, American Bible Belt uh, city. But now being in the Bible Belt doesn't mean what it used to mean. I would say the students that attend our church, most of them are very well grounded, very solid in their faith, uh, because they get a steady diet from their Bible studies on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights from our student pastors and, and from our and from our senior pastor. Uh, they're fairly well grounded and I hope our students are making a difference. But we see the same things you, you're talking about. We, we, from time to time, have the students that are struggling with uh, their identity in Christ and is God real and do moral absolutes really exist. We have students here that ask all those same questions. Mm. So I would like to think that our church is making an eternal difference. Uh, in the lives of a lot of students, but we we face uh, the same issues that uh, I think cities all across the country face. The issues are just as real here as they are in California or New York. You know, as I I got to thinking as I was looking at the seventy and ninety three percent and feeling that it was so wrong, I said, let me search out, let me go back and see if I can find or confirmed that that number is what I had remembered it being. And I went back online as we've been talking, and yes, that is true. Seven out of ten adults say that God is the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe who still rules today. And that includes 93% of born-again adults who hold that conviction. So that is exactly it. And it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense, but I guess that that, that is the case. But let's go back to the, really the operative question. What we've done is define what situation is, and then you very accurately, very well define what's our responsibility. It's to not lose hope. It's to not lose faith. It's to continue to be persistent, to continue to tell the truth. And, you know, it's sort of like um, witnessing to someone. Our job is not to put a notch in the gun. Our job is to do exactly what God asks us to do, which is to be prepared to give the Hope that's within our heart, and what you're talking about is just exactly that. And we need to do it with conviction, with zeal, with love, and not a, not with a know-it-all attitude. And uh, I know you do that very, very well. Uh, 
I think people listening to you talk and, and hearing your heart come through would know that that's the case. How do people hear unless someone goes and preaches, proclaims, teaches, tells, communicates, builds a relationship with someone who is not a believer and allows them to see and taste and feel and touch that Jesus Christ is everything that he claims he is. And when people do that, they find out that it's it's real. Yeah. So uh, we, we are swimming against the tide or the current, that is for sure. Uh, that is not anything new. Uh, the when you look at the statistics from Barna, it, it appears to be bleak, and I understand that. And when you see what's uh, the fact that uh, people have often said that America's 20 years behind what's happening in Europe, um, when our mission teams go over to uh, to Europe and come home and tell us what they saw, I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it won't be long before it's here, and it may not be 20 years anymore. We may it may be. Yeah, uh, simultaneous. It sometimes seems like. Well, things but that doesn't change the fact that we need to uh, to hold fast to our doctrine, to hold fast to what we believe, and as you said, with love and with passion, and because we care about people, we will faithfully proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And when Christ is lifted up, what does the Scripture say? He does what? He draws. He draws. Yeah, not us, but all people to himself. And so, as you said, it's not to put a notch in our gun. We don't save anybody. We tell people about the Savior, and by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus is lifted up, he draws men, women, boys, and girls to himself. You know, when we talk to someone, uh, we don't know where they are in this continuum of understanding what Christianity is and who Christ is. So, and there's a lot of different places in that continuum. We don't know where they are. You, you, let's go back to one other thing, and we'll close here in just a second. But you talked about a relationship. In my business, many times I'm sitting next to someone on an airplane, and I've got uh, uh, 90 minutes or 60 minutes to, quote, build a relationship. You're not going to build a relationship with that individual. But what I can do is to find a way to share truth with them. And at the end of that, yeah, they can either uh, look at that, and if, if I only leave them with a question in their mind and they go away confused about the the worldly worldview that they've had in the past and the Christian worldview that I lay before them, if I've only done that and somebody else comes along later on and adds to that, then I've done exactly what God said for me to do, which is to be prepared to share the hope that was in my heart. And I think that that is what we as Christians should be doing. Simply find people where they are, help them take another step in the direction toward Christ, pray for them, and let them move on to the next person that we'll be sharing with them. Uh, Ross, you're absolutely right. We've had a lot of well-meaning people who put together evangelistic uh, know-how tool resources memorize this thing and go out and tell people knock on doors and take people through some process those tools have their place but nothing is more important than what you just described building relationships small long investing in the lives of people and loving them and helping them see who Jesus Christ is 
Bill, that's a great place to end this uh, 30 minutes that went like it was five minutes to me. I am so grateful for you joining with me today and for the insight that and the heart that you've shown to the listeners that we have. Thank you so much. Well, forward. Ross, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I'm going to come back to one, other, one last thing. The most okay. important thing about you is what you believe about God. Exactly. From that, everything else stems. So to those who are listening today, uh, let me encourage you to, to, to dive deep into God's Word, peel back the layers, and uh, understand exactly who Jesus Christ uh, said that he was and claimed to be, and you'll see that he really is that person. And uh, put your faith and your trust and your hope and your confidence in Jesus Christ and he will give you an exceeding joy that surpasses anything any other worldview could offer. Uh, he is our hope. He is our joy. A relationship with Jesus Christ is the most wonderful thing uh, we'll ever understand or know. Amen. I thank you, my, my friend and my brother in Christ, Bill Decker, for being with us today. And please go and listen to some of the other shows on um, Big Brains Media. There are a couple of football shows, on one on Alabama and one on Auburn. Uh, Janet and Crash have a show called Just Talking It Up. Obviously, James Spann has, has uh, big brains weather, and uh, he's the, he sort of has the, the central show of this whole, this whole process. We have Eavesdrop, which uh, you, I think you would, especially you ladies, would love to listen to. But we thank JP and James and all the people at Big Brains Media for this opportunity. Please go and listen to all the shows. Go to bigbrainsmedia.com, and you can listen to them on your computer, or you can download from iTunes. Thank you again, Bill. Come join with us again on uh, Worldview Matters. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by... Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.